You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. So pretty much every Sunday when I began to preach, I realized that there's a conflict going on in the minds of those who are in attendance, whether they're live in the room here with us at Awaken Church, or if they are joining us online in the experience virtually, that the question that is in their mind is, as I begin to preach, what are we going to have for lunch? <laughs> they start to wrestle with that question. I know because I've been there. I've been sitting in the congregation, and when the pastor comes up to preach, I begin to start thinking about, hmm, I'm kind of getting hungry. When he's done, I wonder where we're going to go for lunch. And so not only is that uh, the, the case, in a lot of cases, and again, I'm generalizing, but, but for most of us, it's probably the cause of our biggest conflict as soon as we get out of church, because we'll get in the car with our family, and if we're married, we'll turn to our, our husband or our wife, and we'll say, where do you want to go for lunch? And the typical answer is, I don't care, where do you want to go? Now, this happened to Shelly and I uh, so many times back in the day when we were married, uh, just a few years, and we were attending, I was atten- uh, attending college at Mid-America Christian University, and getting my degree in pastoral ministry, and, and um uh, We were attending a church there in Oklahoma City, and we were headed out for lunch after church, and I said, where do you want to go for lunch? And she said, I don't care. Where do you want to go? I said, well, I want to go to, and named my favorite Mexican restaurant. She goes, I really don't want Mexican. I'm like, well, you said you don't care, but I say Mexican, and then you really do care. And so we got in this little, not really a fight, but it kind of became a discussion. And so out of that, here's what I said. I said, look. There are so many times when I really don't have a preference, but if I get to choose, I will choose Mexican food every single time. Can I get an amen? I will choose Mexican food every single time. Now, she loves... She loves uh, Italian foods, her favorite. I don't really care for pasta at all. And I know I'm weird. I, I, I'll, I'll just I'll own that. I'll, I'll own it. I'm weird. I don't like pasta very much. Um, but I will go eat it with my wife because I love my wife. And I, I don't hate pasta. I just not, It's not my thing. But I love Mexican food. And so we, I, I said, here's what we'll do. I want Mexican food. So if you really don't care, we're going to default to Mexican food. But if you have a desire to not eat Mexican food, then decide on something. Like, you know, I don't care if it's burgers or, or, or fried chicken or, or whatever, but, you know, let's, let's do this. And so it kind of worked out. We worked out our, our conflict that way. So we're in week four of this series, Sex, Love, and Devotion. And today we're going to talk about conflict and fighting. And, uh, and this is where we're saying, you know, we want to be committed to building godly relationships. So since we are committed to building godly relationships, true or false, number one, a godly relationship means we have everything in common. Uh, or false, right? I mean, we don't have everything in common. Uh, uh, two, a, a godly relationship means we agree on every detail of the relationship false, right? I mean, there's no way we're going to agree on every detail. That's just not 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 even possible. 3. A godly relationship means we never fight. Guess what? That's also false. And I know we think, well, we're Christians and for Christians we shouldn't fight, but let's just keep it real, okay? We've been authentic and real every day since we since we began the pre-launch of Awaken Church. And here's our thing. We're going to be real. And reality is we're going to have a fight. We're going to have a we're going to have a disagreement. We're going to have conflict um, in our marriage. 
in our relationships. And so we're going to do that because the reality check is that probably in marriage, 99% of couples uh, at some point fight. And now that's not a true stat like the, the stats I gave you on the on, on, on part one of this series where we really get some, some, some research and brought up some stats that were from different resources. This is just one just based on my experience. I guess 99% of couples at some point fight. Healthy couples as well as unhealthy just alike. The the difference is that when disagreements come in a godly marriage, everyone fights fair or everyone fights well. They fight clean. And today we want to experience this if you're married in the context of marriage. But if you're not married, think about beyond the context of marriage to the idea of how to deal with conflict in our relationships. Okay, So, so even if you're not married, think about your relationships and how do we deal with that conflict. Why don't we all do that too, whether we're married or not? Let's all experience this teaching from God's Word about conflict in light of all of our relationships. But specifically, if you're married, and if you if you plan to be married, understand this in the terms of your marriage relationship, your most intimate relationship that you have. So we're in Song of Songs again this week. This week we're in chapters 5 and 6. We're going to cover two chapters, so we're going to read through it here in just a moment. Remember that Song of Songs is a play uh, with different acts or different parts, and you have a male lead and a female lead, young man, young woman, and then you have a chorus, uh, like a you know, recurs with some some refrains and recurs with some some th- their parts in the play. So we'll 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 try to uh, make a note of each one so we'll, so it'll make sense as we read through chapters five and six of Song and Songs. So as we're getting there, and I, I would encourage you please get your Bible open and read along with me um, as we do this. Um, so so we started off in week one. And we saw that they were attracted for godly reasons. Like they had there was it was about the a reputation. It was about a good reputation, and that was that was huge. Uh, in, in, the, in the attraction stage of that relationship. In week two, we followed through the relationship seasons that led to marriage. This was called courtship. And and again, if you are someone who is not married yet, um, maybe you're a young adult or somebody who's, or maybe you're just, you know, not even a young adult. Maybe you're a teenager. Maybe you're an older adult. And you are in that, what we would call dating Um Go back and listen to week two, week part two of this series on um, courtship. Um, I, there, I, I, it's very beneficial, and I would, I would uh, highly encourage you to do that. Week three, last week we saw they, they had their honeymoon, and we went with them on their honeymoon, and it was good, and it was holy. So now we're going to see they're married, and they we're actually going to see them fight, and we're going to see them make up. So let's do that. Chapter five, Song of Songs. The, 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 the beginning of this is the young man. He says, I have entered my garden, my treasure, my bride. I gather myrrh with my spices, and I eat honeycomb with my honey. I drink wine with my milk. And the young women of Jerusalem in a chorus sing out, O lover and beloved, eat and drink. Yes, drink deeply of your love. And the young woman says, "I, I slept, but my heart was awake. When I heard my lover knocking and calling, open to me, my treasure, my darling, my dove, my perfect one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with dampness of the night. But I responded, I have taken off my robe. Should I get dressed again? I have washed my feet. Should I get them soiled? My lover tried to unlatch the door, and my heart thrilled within me. I jumped up to open the door for my love, and my hands dripped with perfume. My fingers dripped with lovely myrrh as I pulled back the bolts. I opened to my lover, but he was gone. My heart sank. I searched for him, but I could not find him anywhere. I called to him, but there was no reply. The night watchmen found me as they made their rounds. They beat and bruised me. They stripped off my veil, those watchmen on the walls. 
Make this promise, O women of Jerusalem. If you find my lover, tell him I am weak with love. And the young women of Jerusalem reply, Why is your lover better than all others, O woman of rare beauty? What makes your lover so special that, that, that we must promise this? And she responds, My lover is dark and dazzling, better than ten thousand others. His head is finest gold, his wavy hair is black as a raven, his eyes sparkle like doves beside springs of water. They are set like jewels washed in milk. His cheeks are like gardens of spices giving off fragrance. His lips are like lilies perfumed with myrrh. His arms are like rounded bars of gold set with beryl. His body is like bright ivory glowing with lapis lazuli. His legs are like marble pillars set in the sockets of finest gold. His posture is stately like the noble cedars of Lebanon. His mouth is sweetness itself. He is desirable in every way. Man, I want my wife to describe me like this. <laughs> Such, O women of Jerusalem, is my lover, my friend. And chapter 6 begins with the women of Jerusalem saying, Where is your lover gone? Where has your lover gone, O woman of rare beauty? What, which way did he turn so that we can help you find him? And then she replies, My lover has gone down to his garden, to his spice beds, to browse in the gardens, to gather the lilies. I am my lover's, and my lover is mine. He browses among the lilies. And finally the young man speaks again and says, You are beautiful, my darling, like the lovely city of Tirzah. Yes, as beautiful as Jerusalem, as majestic as an army of billowing banners. Turn your eyes away, for they overpower me. Your hair falls in waves like a flock of goats winding down the slopes of Gilead. Your teeth are as white as sheep that that are freshly washed. Your, your smile is flawless, each tooth matched with its twin. Your cheeks are like rosy pomegranates behind your veil. Even among sixty queens and eighty concubines and countless young women, I would still choose my dove, my perfect one, my favorite, the favorite of her mother, dearly loved by the one who bore her. The young women see her and praise her. Even queens and royal concubines sing her praises. <clears throat> who is this arising like the dawn, as fair as the moon, as bright as the sun, as majestic as an army with billowing banners? And then the young woman says, I went down to the grove of the walnut trees and out to the valley to see the new spring growth, to see whether the grapevines had budded and the pomegranates were in bloom. But before I realized it, my strong desires had taken me to the chariot of a noble man. And the young women of Jerusalem sing out, Return to us, return to us, O maid of Shulam. Come back, come back, that we may see you again. And then the young man says, Why do you stare at this young woman of Shulam as she moves so gracefully between two lines of dancers? And that's where it ends there for, for, for now. Um, and so we're going to dig into that this morning a little bit more. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, what we have is the big idea for today is that godly relationships handle conflict in a godly way. We want to be, we, we say this, you know, we as followers of Christ, we want to be more like Jesus in our relationships. We want to have godly relationships. And so we need to understand this. Godly relationships handle conflict in a godly way. So the first thing we need to do is define the causes of conflict. Now, in my home, there's a couch. It's a sectional. It's kind of this U-shape, and I love it. It's, it's, and, and our whole family actually loves it. And we love, we love to entertain. We love not entertain. But we love to have people over. Uh, it's not always entertaining. <laughs> but, uh, but we love to, I love to have people over and we sit on this couch and it's it's a it's a U shape so you can have these great conversations you can even watch the game and still have great conversations and it's it's a great um, 
And so when we were getting ready to move to, to, to this house, to, to make this move, to plant Awaken Church in Natchitoches, Louisiana, we moved from Hot Springs, Arkansas. And in, in, in Arkansas, I had this nice um, recliner, and it was my chair. And my wife said it didn't match the furniture, didn't match the couch, and it really was too bulky for for the space that we were moving into. And could I did I mind if we got rid of that that recliner? She asked me, "Can I get rid of your chair?" You know, and I. I, I I was like I love my I love this chair. It's a very comfortable chair. It's a recliner. I can kick back. I can take a nap. I can watch the game. Uh, this is my chair. How are you going to get rid of my chair? So I really came back with this. Okay, let's. Okay, you you want to get rid of the recliner because it doesn't fit with everything else and, and and that. Okay, I get that. So so I want to, when we get moved in, I want to say so of where my spot will be. Cause you it, you know you got to have a spot right, and I hate to be like Sheldon, but 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 it's my spot. And don't you know? And sometimes I have to tell my kids, "Hey, you're in my spot." Um, yeah, because it's right. It's the perfect spot on the couch, right in front of the TV. I've got the table beside me. I've got the fan above me for the for the cross breeze. I can see right out the window. My bird feeder when I have the bird seed out and can feed the birds, and and it's just a perfect spot, and it's great. The problem is, is the perfect spot for me to see the TV without a glare and to see out the window to, to watch the birds is not the perfect spot placement for the couch in the room for the room to look just right see my wife wants the room to look just right and i want to be able to sit in my spot though so i can you know it has to do with how i view things so we're seeing this from two different perspectives right because the cause what's the cause of the conflict personal preference and our perspective i see the couch one way and i want the couch set in a certain place she sees the couch a different way and wants it put in in a, in a different place and so what we have is is just this opportunity for us to continually move the couch a few feet one way or the other. <laughs> uh, so in verse 2, she says, I slept, but my heart was awake. Back to our song of songs. And because and she was restless, right? I slept, but my heart was awake. Perhaps you know what that's like to sleep, but, 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 but have, your heart is awake, like you're restless. She's like stirred up. She says, I heard my lover knocking and calling to me. He, he's using all his cute pet names for her, and we don't know why he's coming in late. Maybe he's been out fishing. Maybe he's just out with the guys. We don't know. But we know he's coming in late because he says his hair is wet with the dew of the night. But he's looking for love, and she's tired. And she says in, in verse 3, he says, I've already in bed. I've taken off my robe and I've washed my feet. Do you really want me to get dressed and get up and, and get my feet dirty now? The Hebrew translation for this is, I got a headache. <laughs> so, so what we have here is a failure to really communicate. We have, we have a conflict in this song of songs. We need to understand, though, for us, that we can find that like, there's some very common causes of conflict, and we need to define those. And we can see some of those in this, this couple's interaction with each other. The first, I would say, a very common cause of conflict is unmet expectations. Like like you're married and and uh, and and you're the husband. I'll t- be the husband because I'm the husband in my relationship. And you like get out of the shower and drop your towel on the floor and you just leave it for some for whatever reason. I personally don't understand how anybody could possibly do that, but it, I guess it's a thing. And you drop the towel on the floor and you and you leave it there. Now, what is the expectation? Are you expecting your wife to pick that up? Probably it's probably not on your radar. You probably just 
make assumptions without even thinking about it. But her expectation is that you not be a slob. Her expectation is like you're a grown man and you can hang up your towel or you can put it in the dirty clothes hamper however you keep your laundry. That would be an expectation. You dropping your towel and just leaving it on the floor it means her expectations are unmet here. So, so we have those kind of things in a relationship and that can go either way obviously. So one of the things I go over with couples uh, who come to me for premarital counseling as well as marriage counseling and and I'm not a counselor, but I am I do I do pastoral counseling on quite a regular basis um, from a pastor point of view, not from a professional counselor aspect. But one of the things I do with couples is as I have to work on expressing expectations, work on expressing to each other what the expectations are. Because the reason we have unmet expectations is because of lack of communication. And if you say if he loved me, he would know. Or if she really loved me, she would she would know this. It's it, that's not true. That that's completely fake news. That that's not ever the case. If you, if you loved me, you would know. If she loved me, if he loved me, she would already know. No, you have to communicate these things. What relationships uh, 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 do do we have? We need to work on our communication. What some of you are experiencing right now in some of your key relationships, especially maybe in your marriage, is this thought. This is not what I expected because there's unmet expectations, and that's part of the, the root cause of conflict. Another cause of conflict is selfishness. And it should go without saying, but we're going to say it. Selfishness is, is one of the greatest weaknesses in our relationships. It's one of those, those great weaknesses when it comes to marriage, especially. You see it when you fight about finances. You see it when you fight about raising the kids. You see it when you fight about like where to put the couch. It's selfishness. It's your, self, your view. You see it when you fight about where to eat. I want fajitas. She wants fettuccine. I think we need to get a place that's a, that's a combo restaurant. And we could call it fajitacini because, because we could get both at the same place, right? That would just be perfect. Selfishness is uh, one of the root causes of conflict. And another root cause is pride. Pride is, this is when you think you're always right and the other person's always wrong. Like, and you use words like you always and you never. You always, you never, and, and you use those words, but you've forgotten how to use words like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> How do you know if you're full of pride? Well, you're probably listening to this right now thinking, well, I wish she would listen to this. <laughs> or, you're, or you're hearing this and you're saying, oh man, he really, he really needs this. And then you realize, wow, that's when you know you're full of pride. So scholars interpret like these verses we just read, the first few verses of chapter 5, a couple of different ways. Either he is literally locked out because she's locked the door and he, or or he's making sexual advances and she has a headache like he's locked out physically. Uh, and so verse 4 she says my heart is excited. And, and so she jumps up to open the door. And in verse 6 we see that pride has come in because as 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 she opens the door, she says I've opened up my lover but he is gone and my heart sank. He's pridefully came and said, hey, I'm knocking on the door. And she says, no, I'm not having it. The door is shut. And then he says, baby, please, I love you. And she gives in and says, ah, oh, by the time she gets up, by the time she says, okay, let's do this, and opens the door, he's already gone. He's like, nope, I'm not, I'm not doing this. You're going to treat me like that? I'm going to treat you like this. And he's gone. And she says, my heart sank. And maybe that's you. Maybe your heart has sunk. Maybe you have experienced maybe you have experienced this pain of the true pain of divorce. 
because that is something that changes everything forever. And for some, maybe in your marriage right now, there's a, there's a red like warning light that's flashing. You need to pay attention to that. You might say, my lover has departed. Maybe not, maybe not even physically, maybe emotionally. My lover has departed. There's a wall up and there's a loss of intimacy. And that there's, there's conflict here. When two people are surrendered to Jesus and there is, no, there is no relationship that's too far gone that he can't heal and restore. I want you to hear this. When two people are surrendered to Jesus, there is no relationship too far gone that he can't heal and restore. But it can't be just one. It can't be just one. It takes two to make a thing go right. For those who have entered into the covenant of marriage, you've made a promise. We call it the I do promise. When, when we, when we uh, do a performance ceremony, we say I do. You know, the I do promise. It reminds me of a, a variety show that I used to watch with my family uh, when I was a kid. I mean, when I was very young. Uh, the show is called the Sonny and Cher show. And Sonny and Cher were this couple that sang, uh, that did variety. And they their, their main thing was singing, or her main thing was singing for sure. And they always ended the show with the same way. This, this variety show with skits and comedy and all kinds of, of fun stuff. They ended it with this song. It was their hit song. And it went like this. And I'm not going to sing it. I'll just share the words with you. I got you to hold my hand. I got you to understand. I got you to walk with me. I got you to talk with me. I got you to kiss goodnight. I got you to hold me tight. I got you, I won't let go. I got you to love me so, babe. I got you, babe. And and they and it's I guess ironic they did eventually get divorced, but but the, they were singing this about we we've made a promise here, and I've got you to do this this and this and this, and I promise to do this 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 and this. And when you get married, that's how it is. You say I do when the pastor says, "Do you take, do you take this woman to be your wedded?" wife i do do you take this man to be your wedded husband i do and you're making promises so what are you promising well there's three specific i do promises i want to share with you here the the first one is this you're saying i do promise to act and not react because i want to have a godly relationship and i'm promising to act and not react romans 12:21 says do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good when we're overcome by evil, we react by the desires of the flesh, selfishly, rather than act according to the leading of the Holy Spirit. If, if someone hurts you, you react in an ungodly way, and what happens is you go to bed angry. And, there's, and, and, and you know, being married for 30 years now plus, uh, there, there are rules when you go to bed angry. And this is not something that my wife and I actually do, but this is, this is portrayed for us, that, that when you go to bed angry, there's no covers for you if you're the man if you're the husband no sir she gets the cover she's going to pull those covers off and you can just freeze and if you're lucky you can get a little corner of a blanket or a sheet and don't even think about touching you the, the rule is back to back you're laying in bed you're angry you lay back to back if you were to turn towards her then the, the rule is then you're moving out to the couch buddy because don't you even think about possibly touching me don't let a toe a finger nothing no, don't even breathe on me. <laughs> that happens because we react. We we, we we don't we don't follow through with the promise to to, to to act and not react. 
You've, and you, you've have to, you have to overcome evil with good. And you do this by acting according to God's word. It doesn't matter how ungodly your spouse is being. That does not give you permission to sin. You do the right thing. It doesn't matter how ungodly your spouse is being. You, if you say, I want to I want to have a godly relationship and I want to be more like Jesus, you have to do your part. You can't make them do their part, but you got to do your part. Second thing, promise is the is you promise to focus on the good and not the bad i do promise to focus on the good and not the bad philippians 4 8 says whatever is true whatever is noble whatever is right whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is admirable if anything is excellent or praiseworthy think about such things we see the opposite a lot of times in relationships in marriages far too often we see the opposite of those are the things that we think about we hear, I hear anyway, things like, she doesn't do this. She doesn't do that. I've seen, been in places where you could overhear the conversation of women getting together and talking about who's married to the biggest jerk. Now, see, when you're dating, opposites attract. But in marriage, often opposites attack. The very thing that attracted you when you begin to, to date now begins to repel you. Because back when you were dating... And it took her a few extra minutes and you were going to be late. You said 7 and it's like 7.15 and she's still not ready. You, you, you know what? She came out and she looked so gorgeous and her makeup was perfect and her hair was awesome and she was dressed to a T and she smelled so good. And you know what you were like? You were like, man, she is worth the wait. And now you're married a few years and you're like, come on, hurry up. You're always late. You're never ready on time. This is the very thing that used to go, man, she is worth the wait. Guys, she is still worth the wait. Ladies, he is still worth the work. <laughs> Promise to focus on the good and not the bad. Because if we focus on the good, what would happen? What would happen if we focus on the good rather than the bad? I believe God would renew your relationship. God would renew your marriage to the place it's supposed to be. And the third I do promise is I promise to talk and, and not walk. I promise to talk and not walk. I promise to work it out. I promise that we'll get together. We'll talk about it. I promise to open up. I promise we'll cry together. And and, and you know what? Boys do cry. Men, men do cry. It's okay. I'm, I promise that we will talk. We'll talk to a counselor if if that's the promise. I know that pe- some people are just, uh, just opposed to that. You need to promise to talk and not walk. Talk to a counselor, preferably one who makes Jesus the subject. Ephesians 4.26 says, In your anger, do not sin. See, the understanding is there's going to be anger. But in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. You go one night without talking about your conflict, you give the devil a foothold. You go a week, you might as well invite him to move right in. Talk. Don't walk. And agree to fight fair. I want to kind of bring it home, kind of focusing on what what does it mean to agree to fight fair? See, for Shelly and I, when we got when we were dating and we began to talk about marriage, and when we got married, we weren't following Christ. We weren't we weren't like Christians. Um, we were we were we were you know struggling in our spirituality and our faith, but we were in love. <laughs> at least we thought we were. We are now for sure. But at the time we got together, we made an agreement. It wasn't an agreement to, to agree to fight fair. We didn't even have that 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 context of, of, of language. But we did have an agreement that we came to as we t- got serious about talking about marriage. It was that we would never use the word divorce. Never. 
We both agreed on that for due to, for different reasons. You know, I came at this from a relationship where I was raised in a very very religious home, and and I had a, had this understanding of of from the scripture that God hates divorce. And you can find you, you can you can do your own study on that. That's a whole other topic. That's not that's not what I want to get into right now. But because of my understanding at, at that time, I believe that God didn't want people who got married to get divorced. I, 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 and so much so that I, I knew that people around me had gotten divorced and I had made this decision, I will not get divorced. And so I made a kind of a, a reverse from that or, or coming out of that. I was like, oh, I probably won't get married at least till, you know, way, way later because I don't, I don't believe in divorce. Why would I get married when divorce is such a, such a popular option? You know, and this is 30 years ago. It's even more so now. And Shelly came up from the fact that she came from a broken home. She was the product of her dad just leaving when she was a little girl. Hasn't seen him since. You know, I've, we've been married 30 plus years. I've never met my father-in-law. And so she came from this this this. Uh, family that was broken from divorce and so she was very reluctant to really discuss marriage because she was like i she even told me this i, I remember this conversation she said i never want to go through what my mom has gone through i've watched i've seen what she's gone through i never want to go through that and and and, and, and to have kids and i never want to put kids through what i went through and what my brothers and sisters have gone through and so we agreed we will never, no matter what kind of fight we get into, and again, we haven't had a bunch of, you know, 30 years, we've had some disagreements, but we've never had like a fight. Um, we've had some conflict and some disagreements, but one thing we've decided, that we said we will never use the word divorce. We won't use it as a threat. We won't use it as a tool to try and get our way. We won't say, you know what, I'm just, I'm, we're not. You know, the other day I was on Facebook and I saw a post from a good friend of mine who's several years younger and, and lives in a completely different state than I do now. And he had posted, uh, you know, he had gotten together with somebody and had, and they had kids and, and they got divorced. And, and, he, and his post was just very simple. It just said, leaving her talking about his daughter, leaving her after my weekend is always the hardest thing. It hurts more than anything else in his life. Nothing hurts like this. And my heart kind of broke. I never really felt it before. And then I read the comments. And the comments were one after another. Men, men and women affirming him. Saying, I feel it too. I'm the, I, you know, I've gone through it too. Every time I drop my kids off for their weekend with their dad, it breaks my, it breaks my heart. It hurts me so much. Every time I have to bring my kids back for their, their time with their mom, it hurts worse than anything, any other pain. Saying goodbye, not being able to see them for it, whether it's a couple of days or a couple of hours or for a week at a time. Every single one of these comments was affirming my friend saying, this hurts worse than anything. If only we would know that and agree to fight fair. Now, according to Dr. Leslie and Les Perot, these are some pretty famous, or well-known anyway, uh, marriage experts. They have four specific things to avoid when you have a conflict. And I'm going to go through these quickly. Um, the first thing to avoid is criticism. Criticism is when you say, you always are you never. And no one always or never does anything. No one never always does something, right? <laughs> so, so avoid criticism. But complaining is different. Complaining is when you say, when you do that, I feel like this. That's a complaint. 
That's a complaint. When you drop your towel and leave it on the floor, I feel like you don't care about me and you expect me to serve you by picking it up. Okay, I understand that. A criticism is you always put your towel on the floor. Okay, so avoid the criticism. Complaining is different. Have, have, have good conversations. Avoid defensiveness. Defensiveness prevents clear communication. And usually if you get criticized, you get, you, defensiveness comes. I know I do. If I would hear, you always leave your towel on the floor, my first defense would be, oh, no. There's been times when I don't leave my towel on the floor. I don't always. I would be defensive about it and actually kind of maybe even turn the table on it. Oh, yeah? Well, I, so defensive that I'm like, oh, yeah, well, you always do this. So avoid defensiveness. Avoid contempt. Contempt is belittling or using sarcasm to belittle or to show contempt. Now, Shelly and I both speak fluent sarcasm. It's just how we're wired and, and, and we don't, you know, we'll use sarcasm playfully and usually it has, you know, it has to do with uh, talking about some entertainment or something uh, or politics. But when it comes to each other, we don't use sarcasm as a weapon. And there's been times when my sarcastic wit will come very close to hurting, uh, cutting, and she'll give me a look and I'll know that I've, I've gotten to the point where I am just almost or slightly gone too far and I'll stop and I'll say, I'm sorry, that's not, that's not where I want to go. And we will, you know, we'll, we'll avoid contempt that way. And then avoid stonewalling and stonewalling is that silent treatment. Avoid giving the silent treatment a point of avoid putting a stonewall up. You have to, maybe there's times when you need, I've got to get some fresh air, right? You're, you, you have an argument. You're really, really mad. You know what? Get some fresh air. That means Step outside or go to a different room. Count to 10 and take some deep breaths. Count to 20 if you're really angry. Take some deep breaths. Getting, I need to get some fresh air is not going to the bar for three or four hours. Or going and, and, and being a shopaholic for, for three or four hours. It's working together and not giving the silent treatment taking a few just a minute or two and take some deep breaths and having the conversation you need to have so we see this when we look at chapter six verses five and seven let's bring this home um your eyes are doves your he says your eyes are doves your hair's a flock of sheep descending mount gilead your teeth white as sheep each matched with its twin your your cheeks are pomegranates he says i know how to say i'm sorry i'm going to treat you the way i treated you when i courted you because if we go back to the courtship thing some of these very things he says here are the things he said before the things that she liked your your hair is like goats and your your teeth are like sheep and you know you have all your teeth and how beautiful is your 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 cheeks like pomegranates he's like i i i'll treat her the way i treated her before he expresses that now he really expresses his desire for forgiveness when he says among 60 queens and 80 concubines i would still choose you he's like out of all these young beautiful women i would still choose you and they forgave each other you see it in verses 11 13 she says i went down to look at the new growth of the valley before i knew it i found myself with my beloved in his royal chariot among my people come back my love come back and and we end the chapter she's dancing for him we see this picture of she's dancing for him see each person has to do their part that's why it's called a partnership and marriage works best when two people are connected individually to God, walking with Him, obeying Him in Scripture, and praying as individuals, and doing the same as a couple. If you push the spiritual dimension to the side, you're ignoring the very God who created marriage. Now, at the wedding, 
I'll often begin with, we are gathered here today to unite. And that word unite is so important. I would, I would invite you right now to just write it down. Unite. Write down that word. Unite. Now, look at the next word that I want you to write down is untie. Untie. You see, the difference is where the eye is. If the eye is in the wrong place, the relationship becomes untied. But when the eye is in the right place, the relationship is united. We need to get the eye in the right place. The re- this really isn't about what God says to someone else, him or her, it, but, but what God is saying to you. Get your eye in the right place. So what are our next steps? I would say if you're in this and you, and, and you need some help, in your relationship if you need healing pray that's your first step pray for healing and restoration in your marriage or in uh, your relationships that you may have conflict in pray for healing and restoration and then begin to look at how you speak and do your part and that would be like the next step talk to a counselor together if you're married and and you you're struggling please get get somebody in there to help you work through some of this stuff talk to a counselor together take that next step lord we love you thank you for this this time we've had together thank you for this song of songs or this beautiful ancient poetry this this play this musical lord that that brings to life for us lord um the reality of some of the relationship issues we still have thousands of years later from when this was written and we thank you that you are the god who gives the best relationship advice because you're the god who created relationships and so lord we just want to turn to you right now and say would you help us with this conflict would you help us with our, our marriages right now that maybe have some strain or some 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 some, uh, some some negativity in it lord that you would help us to be able to fight fair that we would have we, we would understand that, that we're going to have conflict we're going to have disagreements but lord we can do it in love and we can love each other lord with the kind of love you have for us the kind of love you have for your church the kind of love that jesus you come and you say come and be my bride lord you love us with that same kind of love and you want us to love each other with that love so lord we thank you we thank you that you have created uh, us for relationships and you've given us the the uh, lord some tools we just have to embrace them and use them in our relationships, Lord, to have godly relationships that we want to have. So, Lord, thank you for guiding us. I pray, Lord, for each and every one of us in our relationships that are that are that are represented here in this this time together, and that Lord, you would, Lord, lead us to your scriptures, to our to each other, that we would be people who pray together, that we would be couples who pray together, families who pray together, and that Lord, where it's needed, Lord, lead to solid, healthy counseling so that, Lord, we can begin to walk in our desire to have a godly relationship. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AwakenChurchLA.